guys, as always, we've got a great minivan men lined up for you today. We're going to first talk about the TV pilot season when all the new shows are coming out and how we're running around auditioning and what's going on with work. Then we're going to talk about traveling, pointers on traveling and how much traveling we've been doing. And lastly, I'm going to tell a story of my daughter and uh, her visit to the hospital. By the way, this is Maz Jabrani. Tune in. Welcome to the Minivan Men, back again. Take this back into your world. <laughs> Remember that one? With the city concentration, if you know what I'm talking about. Nevertheless, uh, you got the best. The LA Dream Team is in the house. Oh, yeah. Dream Team. <laughs> Jorge Dream has no team idea what we're talking about. in the house. Right? Uh, we're here with uh, Chris Spencer, Maz Jabrani, and Al Madrigal from New York. I'm actually the only real LA Dream Team member here. You are. That's right. We're both Northern California. We got a NorCal thing going on. We got the Humpty. And, um, we got the Humpty, pronounced with the Umpty. <laughs> yeah, that's you used right. to get on the stage. Yo, ladies. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Hi, ladies. That was his oh, I like bit. the Humpty. Bumpy. We are here um, back again and uh, talking about pilot season. We're in the middle of pilot season, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, and I'm not even in New York City. I'm in uh, Oklahoma City, the other city. Wow. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Wait, explain it, to the world. Let me let me explain what, what pilot what? season is. Pilot season is every <laughs> year between usually January till latest April, um, maybe late March usually, there's all the new TV shows that the networks are going to try out. They film one episode. So usually like every network has, let's say, uh, a certain number of uh, comedies and a certain number of dramas that they're going to film. So, for And the more successful networks have probably less pilots going on. Like CBS doesn't have to produce too many comedies right now because they have a lot of stuff that's working. Whereas NBC needs to, they probably have three times as much because a lot of their stuff, including the show that I was on last year, Free Agents, fell through. So they really want to do their best to produce a lot, throw a lot of stuff at the wall, see what sticks, and that's basically what this is. They made a lot of deals with writers. From those those deals that they made with writers, there were scripts that were written. From those scripts that were written, they narrowed down the field to the 10 pilots that are actually going to be produced. And then from those pilots that they produce, they'll pick up three or four of those. So... We're auditioning constantly. I think we went through this last pilot season. I know we haven't been we doing this podcast it. that long, but we potentially yeah. Talked we we about talked about this. last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's so what's funny. What I told you, my how's kids, it going? I told I'm my kids, <laughs> uh, audience, I have a six-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter. So I told them I was going on for a pilot. What's that? And I described it. You know, the show before a show comes on, they have these. The show has to get picked up, but they shoot this first one, and it's called a pilot. That's the stupidest name ever. Uh, <laughs> why? Why That's is it funny? What is, what, is, there an air, is there an airplane? No, is there's it, no airplane. Why is it called a pilot? Um, you had no answer for it. Yes, there's nothing yeah. worse than getting stuck. But why is it called a pilot? I have Can no we, idea. It should yeah, be called. It should be because called because it usually crashes. There you go. <laughs> That's it. Nice, Chris Spencer. It does because usually what happens is like like uh, Al just told you guys. Even if your show gets picked up, especially nowadays, right? Chances are it's going to get canceled. It's like it's you know what it's like. This is what it's like. Here, here's a, here's an analogy I think people can understand. Imagine if every year between the months of January till April, <laughs> like in the city of Oklahoma City, let's say, right. uh, a bunch of people opened up restaurants every year. <laughs> And different restaurants, right? You got, you got Spanish, Spanish, you got Asian, Indian, you got... Asian, all these types, right? And what you do is you only open it for one night. 
And depending on how it does that one night, yep. then you might get an extra few nights. Right. And then if you those extra few nights, and if it picks up, then you're going to get some more nights. And the and the, the fact of the matter is to end up with a restaurant that's so successful that's like a Wolfgang Pucks or something, which I guess that would be, let's, let's say, the modern family Seinfeld. of today. Yeah, modern Seinfeld. It, it's like hitting Rare. the lottery. Yeah. That's a hit. So we're in the middle of this right now. The greatest thing about pilot season uh, is the check. They usually pay you double of what you're going to make an episode. They used to. They don't anymore. No. No, it's been that long. I have a book one in like 10 years. <laughs> oh, no, 15 no, years. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, it's the opposite. They pay you less now and then make a deal. Yeah. Are you kidding me? No, no, it's true. Yeah. So they're really trying to save. Now, actually, look this up. A pilot episode is generally the first episode of a new show uh, shown to the heads of a studio to whom it's marketed. The television industry uses the term differently from most viewers. Viewers frequently consider the first episode available to their viewing to be the pilot. They therefore assume that the first episode broadcast is also that sold to the series to, to network, and this is not always true. That's no. why, so the first episode can't be considered the pilot. But it doesn't say cases. why they came up with the term pilot. And I'm looking, I looked that up, and then... I like, okay. that, I like that it crashes a lot. I think that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's it the really thing. So, so now, how's that going? I mean, uh, well, here, tell me about um, the auditions, because, again, I'm actually very happy to be sort of out of consideration for pilot season. I am always, not that's the best available. Yeah. Um, available. You're, in the, you're in the best position in that, and I'll tell you why, because this, this is another thing that goes with pilot season, is as actors, you got to pretty much, unless if you're, I mean, like, you know, First of all, one, one. First of all, there's a lot of movie stars now that are starting to do TV. Yes. I mean, they've been doing it, Brutal. but now it's even more than ever. And a lot of these guys, the movie stars, will get offers. Yep. You sure. know what I'm saying? They don't the even have to audition. Yeah. The right. network comes to uh, like like for example, Kevin Bacon is doing one for Fox now. Yes, I saw and that. Yeah, and they're coming and going. Hey, come on in. And he's like, okay, whatever. I'll take this one. Now, actors of our level, we have to go out and audition. And it used to be, uh, and, and and the other thing is what you, what you got to. It's like a chess game because sometimes. You might read a script and you're like, oh, my God, this really seems bad. Right. There's no way this thing's going to get picked up. But you're like, I got to go audition. And you might end up getting getting it. And yeah. then you end up on it, and then you, but you still don't know. And even if you end up on a good one, it might not get picked up. So there's no telling. And this year has been brutal. How many have you been out for? I've been out for a lot. I'll tell you what's happened for me. First of all, I've been reading. If you, if you read, if, uh, people listen, if you go to DeadlineHollywood.com or Deadline.com, they print every day. You can, you can click on the pilots. It tells who's you who's getting, getting hired. Who's yeah. getting hired, what they're doing. First of all, movie stars galore. I mean, we're talking like, you know, Kevin, like I said, Kevin Bacon, Cuba Gooding Jr. Cuba's uh, doing TV? Cuba is on a show. He's on, he's, uh, he's on a show called Guilty, I believe. Cuba Gooding Jr., uh, Marsha Gay Harden. We're talking Academy Award winners are all in the game. So what that does for guys like us, where we used to maybe be able to go out for the lead. Right. Now we got to do help. Uh, on on ice. Help on ice. In, in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I'm doing a pilot live. <laughs> All my pilots are live this year. So, so and and uh, and Help so on ice. <laughs> and, and so, what's been crazy though on my end is I used to at least like at least there was always like one or two Middle Eastern parts in there where I felt like okay, I'm gonna go in the room. You ripped it. It's the ten Middle Eastern guys I know. Right. And it's good. One out of ten. Right. This past year, I haven't seen any Middle Eastern parts. And I've seen a lot of minority casting. So I end up in a room. It's me, black, Latino, Asian. And right. now I'm in the ball with game with everybody. Yeah, I talked about this. They don't care what how they, they color it up. They <laughs> just, just color, color. want to color it up. Yeah. I tell you, one of my favorite stories is me. I go in there to, it was no ordinary family. 
and so this is what two years ago. Yeah. And it's me, Michael Strahan, and a Chinese guy. Oh yeah, yeah. You've, you've told me about this before. Hilarious. So just the same. I mean, it it it. That's what happens. They just want to color it up. Now, Chris, the pilot, you went out for uh, all black guys. No, I was the only brother. It was all white guys. What was it? What pilot was it? It's Claudia Lano's show on Fox. Claudia Lano, Mark Lano's daughter. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I went out. I went out for that. It's for uh, ABC. It's ABC. Yeah, how to, like, how to live uh, with your mother. Yeah, how to live with your family. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. were playing the. You went out for the boss. Greg. Yeah, I went out for Greg yeah. as well. See, color casting. They're looking for it. The color. See, but it, but it's all written white, by the way. Oh, listen, how bad? Because there's a part they talk about his hair going bald, and he shows. Did you? Go, they they wrote a new one. Oh no no I didn't. I read me. that short version. Okay. And I, I made a tape when I was in North Carolina. I sent it in, and then I got whatever. This I guess it was a all the back. parts where you're correct are written for white guys, and then they decide they at some point they yes. realize, oh my Al god. Al Sharpton goes by and looks whole... at all the scripts. <laughs> right, right, goes, right, right. Say we got to have some uh, some color up in here. So I, yeah, I read for that today, and it was written very white. Like the uh, they're like, who are you trying to be? And I was like George Clooney. That was written in the script. Now, not too many brothers. Or Persians. Right. Or Mexicans yeah. are going to say, my goal is to be George Clooney when I grow up. Right. So, but, you know, I was, I, I have, literally, I have not read for, let me think. I haven't had an audition for a pilot in at least five or six years. Wow. wow. Why? Why? Because your agents were sending you out or something? Or I just haven't had an agent in five or six years. Oh, wow. Oh, I would, but Maggie. But I've been, you know, I've been, you know, every now, I'll go out for a lot of films. I've, I've done quite a few independent films lately. But I haven't, like, pilot season? Like, oh, my God, I can get ready for pilot season. Don't go out of town. It's pilot season. I haven't done that in years. See, here's another yeah, analogy fit. Another I analogy for, to, to make people uh, that aren't in the acting business understand. Now, here's the other thing where we are. This is what we are. So let's take that restaurant analogy. <laughs> and when you get into the restaurant now, now, when you, when, now the thing is to, let's say, let's say I, they, t they tell me, okay, Maz, you're going to come in and you might, you're going get, to get to run an Indian restaurant right. this year. But before I even get to run that Indian restaurant, I have to go in and try and win the chefdom of that restaurant. And I'm in that restaurant, and there's like a superstar Indian chef in there. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get this because this that's where we're at right now. It is so intimidating. I'm telling you, it's so overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I've been in rooms with, with multi-ethnic people. I started going out for the parts of the fat white friend. And I was like, I am not white, and I'm not fat. And I walk in the room, and these are like every fat white guy you've seen on TV is there. I'm like, I would cast that guy. Why right. am I here? This guy's perfect. You know, and so it's funny because the other, the other day I was at um at the old sports club, which is now Equinox in uh, in Beverly Hills, and there's a lot of Persians. So that's where like I'm I'm amongst my people. Right. So as I walk through the gym, people are like, Hey man, big fan. Hey man, when's your next show? Hey, Anna. so I, I you know I felt good as I was walking. You gotta out. see him moving. His, and by the way, he's moving his feet as if he was on some sort of an exercise equipment. Right oh yeah, I'm, no, that's me floating. <laughs> he's, on on, the, he's on the elliptical. No, that's me floating on air, man. Oh okay. Gotcha. So as I'm leaving, I go, man, I got the superstardom in this industry, in this in this community. Right. And I'm getting nothing in the industry. I was like, I wonder if this is how Eric Estrada felt when his oh, career was starting to go down. Hilarious. Where he's like, man, I was on chips and nothing happened. <laughs> That was almost like the show you what you were trying to create, where you're the superstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's Al, tough, man. It's 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 really one of the worst things. And when I say like, um, I, it means so much. It it really is like playing lottery too. Like it means the money that you get paid to be on these things is ridiculous, and it means everything 
to the family, especially since we have kids and this is what we do. But if you can score one of these things, that's why we just sort of endure all of this torture is the fact that the payday is fantastic. If you get on one of these shows, you see, I mean, you see all these idiots in the end of like a People magazine showing you their new living room and their room edition and stuff when they've been on CSI for four years. Yeah. Well, it's all yeah. relative, you see. It's all because right. it's funny because I was, I'll tell you what, what happened to me earlier this year. Uh, one of the earlier pilots, they, there was a part uh, that was the psychiatrist on the pilot. It was no ethnic stuff. They wanted me to do it, but they didn't have. The, they, they were lowballing everybody, meaning they didn't have what you do. Also, as an actor, is you get a quote, like that, like you know, this is how much I usually get paid to do this, and they were way, way below the quote. And we went back and forth a little. bit. So let's bit. say you're usually, and just so if you're making, let's say you typically make uh, eighty thousand dollars a year, yeah, that's really or high. even yeah. twenty dollars an hour, whatever your rate, typical rate of pay is. Yeah. And somebody comes to you and says, "Look." Is a great opportunity to work with some great people, but I can only pay you seven dollars and fifty cents an hour. I know you get twenty. We're gonna pay you twenty if we get picked up, but I need you to take the seven dollars and fifty cents. Yeah. Or somebody says, "Look, I know you usually get eighty thousand dollars a year, and you're very good at what you do, but we're a little over budget right now, and I need you to take twenty five thousand dollars a year. Exactly. Are you able to do that for a bit? Exactly. So, and you're really these things are hard to get. So you some in some cases you take it. I I was on a pilot where they paid me well under. I wasn't even a regular, um, and it but it was with Martin Short, uh, David Crumholz, the guy from Numbers. It was uh, with Judy Greer, who's an amazing actress. Orlando Jones was in it. It was like this great little cast, and um, I took way less money than. I probably should have. And, but then, that, see, that's where the chess game part of it comes in because this happened to me earlier in the season. So you talk to your representatives, and they're going, no, man, there's other stuff. We can't. Also, because if you take it, they go, then your quote is lower yes. now. So when we go to next season, you know, if you, when you go out, the, the other, the, let's say, for example, using Al's analogy, the next time you go to another company and you're trying to get that job, they go, well, you took – you know, seven fifty an hour. So I'm just gonna yeah. Give you everybody eight knows about it too. Yeah. That's another thing. Is so, they know your quotes. Yeah. So there's a lot of that going on. So it's a chess game, you know. But it's all relative. Like I said, like part of me was like, you know, I'm 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 bummed out that that I haven't landed anything. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, the past two years I've landed stuff, and then and then you also, you know, there's been a few times I've been like, in, you know, at a red light, and there's a guy trying to clean my window. I'm like, right. well, I got better, I got it better yeah. than this guy. At least I'm going out for pilots. Right. Not getting any. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a really tough deal. Uh, why don't we take a break, and um, we'll keep you guys updated on how this goes week by week. Hopefully, Maz and Chris both get on pilots. And um, my whole dream, I'll tell you this right now, is to get on a drama on CBS with stars in it. Yep. And I can be ethnic lab rat and um, stay on that for nine years and That's then true. just do stand-up and never have to Because you know what happens when you become again. when you get to be the ethnic lab rat if you're lucky you only have to work like three or four times three times oh, a week six on the call sheet man how about That's we get together I mean. and we do something uh we call it we call it fubu the show for us by us <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's what this is anyway CSI. all right let's we'll take a break CSI and then we'll be right Compton. back csi content we'll be back csi content
Guys, thanks for all the support. Make sure to go to Facebook and go to our page under Minivan Men and like us there. You can also find that page by going to our website, minivanmen.com, and clicking on the Facebook link. See you on Facebook. back ladies and gentlemen with the minivan men i am al magical here with uh not here i'm in oklahoma and uh but virtually here with chris spencer and my friend maz jabrani talking about uh travel we travel so much for work um, traveling all over the place for the daily show maz is obviously more of an international traveler than we are but chris has been all over the place lately so what tips do we have for you guys, my whole thing has been really getting all my miles together and focusing on three or four airlines that I need to travel. I first go to Kayak. That's my move to book. So I book all my own travel. I don't have a travel agent or I have been bad about having my managers because you do that for me because I know that's a service they provide. But I go to Kayak. I look for the flight there. I have their app. I get alerts. Then deals. I'll, I get some deals. You guys know how thrifty I am. And then uh, I'll go to JetBlue. I'll sort of check out all the places. I don't like to fly. I won't stop anywhere. I go on nonstop only. I will only do uh, some sort of layover and connecting flight when absolutely necessary. I'll go out of my way for a nonstop. Um, I've got all my miles in United, Delta, just starting with American, but just out of necessity. And um, I do Virgin a lot, although their website is really messed up. Like, it's amazing that they're able to do business. Um, I have the United credit card, which I use, and I'm, I'm a premier status with them. But are you guys finding with your status, like there's always Somebody 70% of the people are above you? Way, yes. Well, that's... Like, See, our I went business the, elite passengers are semi business elite or silver elite. Yeah, like everyone's many, going ahead of me. There's too many levels. Well, I went. I went through all this when we first started tour. I've, I've been touring. I've been flying consistently since '07, I think. And so the first year was I didn't know what was what. I was just everywhere. And I got like you know oh I got gold status on American. Well, there's there's platinum. There's executive platinum. There's king. There's, there's God. king. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. And, and then I had the same thing on United. Now the problem was with United they had a whole their system was all messed up. Like you would show up at the airport, it would say oh you qualify to upgrade. It's like great, and it would say like pay fifty bucks to buy the voucher. You buy the voucher, and then it goes you're now you're on the waiting list. I'm like well why did I why'd you why make me pay fifty bucks? So that really upset me with United. United's come around now. Now that they were continental, I think they've gotten better, right. but. American, I stuck with American, and this is what I did. If you get 100,000 elite qualifying miles, that doesn't mean you got to fly 100,000 miles. And, Al, this is where the whole thing of stopovers come in. Um, for example, American will do something where they'll say, any flights going through Dallas, you get double miles for towards elite qualifying. So, for example, if I'm going to go to New York and I need those extra miles to get to my 100,000 elite qualifying miles, I, it behooves me to go to L.A., Dallas, New York. Because right. I'm going to get double miles. And this is what happened uh -huh. was a couple years ago, I did what's called the mileage run, which means by the end of the year, because you got to get it within the calendar right. year, it was like mid-December, and I had like 90,000 miles. I was like 10,000 miles short, or 94,000. I was really right. close. So I bought a ticket from L.A. I went L.A. to LaGuardia, 
took a cab to JFK. Not missing a beat. You know, didn't stay the night. Just took a cab to JFK, got on a plane, went through Nashville, came back to L.A., Bam, I got 100,000 miles. Now do I got I got executive platinum status. What does that mean? What you guys were just talking about where it was like before I had platinum status and I was maybe getting upgraded, let's say, 60% of the time, 55% of the time. Suddenly I was getting upgraded like 95% of the time. I was that guy. Right. I was in that class suddenly. And it's great. The benefits are really good. Um, and it's worth it. It's worth it. Now, the, what's interesting to me as a traveler has been, I just remember as a kid, See, I mean, it feels like everyone's traveling a lot more now. Because as a kid, it used to be when you traveled, when you got to the other side, there was a family waiting for you <laughs> yeah. with flowers. No one's, no one's ever waiting picture. for me. Picture. I mean, it, all this. Now it's like, and you used to dress up to go. It's like now, it's like sweatpants. You show up, yeah. you know, honey, you know, you know I'm, I don't even have to tell my wife I'm taking a cab. She knows I'm taking a cab. There's now, no what even about offer. some tips for people that don't travel as much as we do? Um, little get, things. Get it, airborne. I bought the, um, What's that? What'd you uh, say? Airborne. You know the little the little tablets. The, yeah. The vitamin C tablets yeah. for the. Because I get I always get sick on the plane. Yeah, that's gross. I I think the whole idea. Somebody was telling me that they wrapped themselves up in a blanket, and um, I had one friend's dad always wears a mask. Because he, he gets sick all the time and they're recycling it, the air. Like it, people are just it, like wipe down the arm handles because they said like they never clean those seats at all. Is your dad's friend Asian? Yeah, no. Uh, I would see Asian people wearing the mask. SARS mask. Oh yeah, totally. SARS mask. That'd be funny if you uh, you wore scrubs and a mask. <laughs> doctor, is there a doctor? You need to help. We have a man emergency in the back. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a crazy germaphobe. <laughs> No, um, you know, uh, one other thing that's really good is uh, actually the, the comic Kayvon, who toured with me for a while, he turned me on to this. Was, there's a thing called Neil uh, Sinus Rinse. Uh-huh. What you do is it's this, like, it's this bottle. S- saline. Yeah, it's like you put a little, it's like a little saline, and once you, get, once you get to the hotel, wherever you're going, if you're coming home, you rinse your, your nasal area because that's where a lot of the germs begin. So you just do this rinse, and it helps a lot. Huh, that's so, interesting. Um, but... One thing that I really rely on is going into these clubs. I like to to go to as many clubs as I possibly can. So I I qualified to, um, I got the United Red Carpet Club with, so I can go in there. But you got that, you got that because you you got that because of your credit card, right? You get, you get two passes for the year. No, I got that with the credit card, but I got two passes, but I also got, I had enough miles and I just bought it. The Platinum American Express used to be able to just walk into any of them. Some of them, must, I think maybe USA or United. United do doesn't let you. Platinum American Express, you can go into the American Delta, Airlines. Yeah. American, yeah. American, American Delta, Delta yeah. and US Airways are the ones you can use that. And so US Airways, it doesn't matter what airline you're flying with, but usually they're so separate that you can't go anyway. You know, to, If you had a flight out of United, you can't go all the way over to US Airways. All right. Now here's um, a question I have for you guys because this just happened to me. I just was... I couldn't remember my U.S. Air number, so I just flew, like, I went to Orlando, then to Wilmington, and, and I forgot to give him my number. Now, how do I go back and get those miles? Do you still have you, the you, you have, you have the, your confirmation number? Or, or usually if you have the, your, your boarding stub, you can mail that in, they they give it to you. Yeah, oh, but okay. who's going to do that? I, I never, know. I mean, you don't mail in your boarding pass. Yeah. So, so what if, can I, what, hey, what if you, you want to go... 
If you're looking to go executive platinum, you got to play with the big boys, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. What, what, what are you saying to do, Al? Use my boarding number and what? I think you use your confirmation code and enter it in online or, or call up one of their mileage representatives online and say, hey, I flew. I want to make sure I get credit for this flight and just do it over the phone. When, when did you fly? Recently? Yeah, last week. Yeah, if it's, if, yeah, if, if it's recent enough, they can, they can figure that out. And what? never forget, always try to get credit for it. Even if it's on an affiliate airline, like always remember to put in your number. That's what I was flying so much and not putting in my number. That I had a lot of wasted miles and there a lot of upgrades that I forgot. So whatever you do, people, start using your numbers as soon as possible because it will add up and not a lot of these go away. And there are perks. And what you, what, now, let me ask you guys something. Are you guys saving your miles for anything? I use them all the time for different things. If I got like, well, like if I if I'm fly, for example, I went to I had gigs in New York last year. I I I I flew American Airlines a lot, so I had gigs in New York. So what I did was I used miles, and I and I if you book early enough, you, I got I, I you only spend fifty thousand miles to get business class for my wife. My kid, right. you know, uh, I think I got the nanny on there. I just had all these miles. So I, I use it as that. Now sometimes I use it to, like, get my feature into the next town because, gotcha. you know. Yeah, that's um, nice. And then um, what about hotels? I, I do Hilton Honors and that's and yeah. Starwood, and that's pretty Me much too. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Both the same exact, too. One thing and I got to tell people if they're flying, if they haven't flown, just just – you Get know. out of the way. No, no, just realize <laughs> liquids. No, the Quit liquid cluttering thing. up the gate I area. Know, you know you got boarding group four. Last week, this dude tried to get through with two cans of soup. <laughs> Come on. What are you doing? Was, are you going to open two cold cans of soup on the plane? Yeah. What's yeah. he doing? I saw Chug family. Of, it was all, it was this, it looked like a mother with like three daughters. I'm serious. They had every hair care product you could imagine. Not little bottles, big bottles. And they were like either. shocked. They're like, what? I was like, yeah, have you been watching shampoo, the news man? the what past 10 years? Yeah. It's just more shampoo. You, you have a kerosene shampoo? lamp, no. lady. Yeah, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> the rule is four ounces. You have 12 ounces. You can't. You have a like, big gulp. Yeah. big gulp of shampoo. It's per plus. It's a humongous. <laughs> I got it at Costco. Come on. You yeah. got to return it? So, yeah, uh, there's there's little things like that. But there's still people who bring knives and, like, scissors. Oh, yeah. It's All like, kinds of stuff. are you kidding me? Actually, you know what? A lot of times I come up with my best tweets in in line at the airport because I'm like, first of all, it's crazy. I'm a, I'm a pretty patient person. No matter where you go at the airport, doesn't and even if you're not in a rush, when you get once you get in that line, you start over analyzing and scrutinizing everyone in front of you. Like, come on, man, you gotta. Yes. Oh, come on, how many? Well, you got a what? You got a sweater and a jacket? What's wrong with this? Your mind is just racing. You're on. I'm I'm unpacking for the people in front of me. I'm like, come on, the computer goes in the thing. What's just wrong with this guy? Yes. You know, it's the, it's so fresh. And I don't know why it, it, it just takes over. It's this, it's this, uh, my Jekyll and Hyde in me. Yes, it's crazy. Hey, oh. guys, um, let's, um, and anybody, if you have travel tips, please write those in. That's what I was going to say. Minivanmen at gmail.com. We want your travel tips. We'll share those with you. We'll use them. I need them. What I was saying, what I guess is wrong is, uh, yeah, quit trying to bring cans of soup through. But also, <laughs> if you know your boarding group F or, or 5, um, I'm boarding group 1 or 2, and I need to be able to get through. So you got to step off to the side. And, and, right, I can't. and be thankful that we have boarding groups. I've flown in the Middle East where they don't have boarding groups. Just because they're like, on. elbow. Like, right, we're ready to go. Everyone, everyone get on. It's just like, ah! it's a free for all. Some old ladies and... throwing a jab into your stomach. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've had it. Man. I always try to get, I'm sorry, Al, because I always, 
Sign up late. I am boarding group five, and I'm trying to sneak on. I, I'm, I'm the guy <laughs> in the way. But I got a new trick. If you download your uh, your uh, your flight on your pl- on the uh, on your iPhone or whatever little device you have, you know they have the barcode. What is it called? Not a barcode. A barcode. Yeah. Barcode. Yeah. And then now your ticket is on the barcode. So some airlines, like you can scroll down and hide. Which uh, group you're in? Oh, that's smart. Nice. But I think that's you and Sarah wouldn't let me, but uh, United did, or the other nice. way around. So, or what if you take your ticket, but you wear sunglasses as if you're blind, and so when they call <laughs> Group One, you just walk up, and someone's Dude. like, "Sir, you're not," and you go, "I'm sorry, I can't." <laughs> I didn't. I, I feel horrible. <laughs> I've done this. I have uh, limped on. I have. Ho- <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, limped on is brilliant. I held. Um, my friend had boarding group one, you know, special boarding group. He was in first class, and I held onto his shoulder and closed my eyes and had him lead me on. You're lying. Um, yeah, I'm definitely a, a problem. I, I've just, I do that thing where I've thrown my head up to the left and pretended I have cerebral palsy and just. Are you serious? Walked right on the plane. Yeah. You're, you're totally being serious. So I, then the I whole time on the flight, you got to act like you got cerebral palsy? No, oh. I sit there like, like hi, suckers. That's, uh, that's all horrible. New. Hey, you were this guy. I had, a, I had a broken guy. ankle one time, and I was going, and so they give you the wheelchair. You have VIP everything. The, the, what was interesting for me was to see the different cultures. Like in the U.S., the lady who took me from whatever, the, the, the check-in all the way to the gate. All right. Like I tipped her. I think it was a guy. I forget. I tipped the guy. And he was like, oh, you know, thank you so much. He was very appreciative, took it. Then I, I transferred through Germany, and the Germans are very by the book. So I tried to tip a couple people, and they're like, no, no, I cannot. This is not I part can, of the... Then I, I, la- I was going to Egypt. I landed in Egypt. Egypt is so poor. Not only were they taking tips, they, were, they would, like, take a tip. And once he saw I was tipping, he would, he'd, like, drop me off to his cohort who would then take me the other 20 feet, and then he passed me off to another guy. I was tipping yeah. left and right. He was like, hey, you're in a this guy's relay race. It was of, crazy. A it tipping relay race of like, just go. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, man. All right, hey, let's take another break. Hey, and guys, I got a jam. Uh, so I'll talk to you later. Maz, you're going to tell your story. I hope your daughter's doing okay now. Um, but uh, yeah, minivanamen at gmail.com. Check the Facebook, and uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Segment three, no I'm magical. Yo, this is Chris Spencer. I know you guys are listening to us. You're laughing and you're telling everybody about us, but we need you to rate it. So when you go on iTunes, rate us. Go down to where it says comments and say, hey, I think you're groovy. Minivan Men back again. Um, uh, Maz Brana here with Chris Spencer and uh, Al Madrigal. Al Madrigal. Yeah, Al Madrigal had to split because um, he's working in Oklahoma City. Uh, so we just we caught up on a few things. We were just catching up on another thing that happened. Um, if you guys heard, I think it was two or three episodes ago, my daughter had a slight fever, and I went to check it out. And I came in, I was talking about it, and it was interesting because the guy started telling stories Chris was telling stories of how his daughter, you were telling the story of how your daughter had a seizure, and she just basically went blank, right? A febrile seizure, yeah. Febrile seizure, right? And then it usually I, happens if your temperature is over like 103. Yeah. 
And then Al was talking about how his son was so hot he had him in the tub and throwing ice and all that stuff. And I had never experienced anything like that. Well, it was the irony is Al, after telling those stories, Al was like, uh, so do you feel? He was like jokingly, like, "Oh, you 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 feel bad now? Like, you know, your you know your your you know your kid's got a, a fever. It's not as right. bad." And, and in all honesty, I was like, you know, I understand. Obviously, it's extreme. So, but what happened on my end was my daughter actually ended up having a febrile seizure, and it was crazy because I didn't we didn't see it coming at all. Her fever wasn't that bad. Um, and we ended up, um, I was going on an audition for, uh, um, uh, NCIS, I think. And I, and I left and she had a slight fever. She was kind of list, you know, low energy, you know, and anyone's got kids. And when they see this, it saddens you to see a kid low energy, oh, right? Sickening. It's kind of interesting. Cause actually on the one hand, when they're high energy, like, oh my God, you're killing me. Right. Right. But then when they got low energy, like, oh, come on, where's that high energy, you know? Right. Anyway, so she had low energy. I went to go to the audition, and my wife calls and says, "Listen, she's not doing. She's not. Something's wrong." And I guess what had happened was they took her to shower her, and and uh, sometimes the febrile seizure was caused by a sudden change in temperature. temperature. Mm -hmm. So I guess that had helped change the temperature. So my so my daughter had some milk, and then she threw it up. I wasn't there to see this, and she supposedly was kind of like had a blank expression. So my wife, thank God, right away called the paramedics. I was heading towards this audition. I got the call. I turned around. Oh, I got the call. I, I, would, I didn't realize how serious it was. I didn't, she didn't tell me about seizures. She just said, you know, she's sick. And then um, I called as I was walking towards to go into the place. I called. I go, what's going on? And she goes, we're, we're in an ambulance. We're going to the hospital. And I go, okay. So I turned around and left. Skip, you know, obviously skipped the audition. Showed up. Poor, poor girl had had, she had 20 minutes of seizures on one side of her body. And I, I missed this all, right? And the crazy part was, so you're sitting there, you're watching this cute little baby, you know, you're in the hospital, she's got a mask on her face, and it's just, and it's just heartbreaking. You're like, what's going on? And the doctors couldn't tell because they go, usually a febrile seizure lasts about a minute. So parents out there just know usually febrile seizures last about a minute, and they're both sides of your body. This one was one-sided, and it lasted a lot longer. Anyway, they did all kinds of tests and stuff, and um, the I, I won't get into too many details because. It's just, it's, you know, it's really, it was a tough experience. Um, one of the toughest parts was when she came to, you know, they prodded her, they, they tr did a CAT scan. When she came to, uh, the left side of her body wasn't moving. And they said, usually when you have seizures, sometimes that side of your body remains kind of like it takes a while for it to come back. But of course, the doctors, some of the, do some doc different doctors are, are, you know, are different at explaining things. So this one doctor who was the children's neurologist was like, Listen, most likely that's what it is, but it could be something else, which puts in your head like, oh, my God, my child might be paralyzed on the left-hand side. So all of a sudden I flashed into, like, all these things I've seen on, like, uh, you know, like you see things on 60 Minutes or something about a kid who's got, like, one leg. And I was like, oh, my God, this poor girl, we're going to have to teach her how to deal with in life with one, just her right side. And I'll tell you one of the happiest moments was a few hours later when she woke up around midnight you, you know, flailing both arms and legs. I was like, oh, thank God. Um, and at the end, the, the other neurologist came in and told us, he said, you know, the, he goes, uh, this, this actually could have been a febrile seizure because they, they were trying to figure out if it was related to our families and stuff because some of our relatives have had histories of these things. Mm -hmm. um, but they said, he said, most likely this is a febrile seizure. And he said, most likely will he goes, when, when a child has febrile seizures, chances are they'll have them again. So he was telling us, he goes, if it happens again, he goes, he goes, up to 30 minutes 
is okay. He goes, anything after 29 minutes could cause brain damage. So he goes, what you're supposed to do is, if the child's having a seizure, he said, you're supposed to time it for four minutes, up to four minutes. And if it continues, then you call the emergency, which I'm like, dude, I'm calling emergency right away. I'm not going to time it. Four seconds. Four seconds. Because he was actually, he actually ran through that. He goes, he goes, look, I'm going to time for you 30 seconds and you, t and you see how long it feels like. And he goes, especially if you're watching your kid have a seizure. Was she physically shaking or was she was just catatonic? She had, she had physical shaking before. And then, so she had the seizures, on, basically 20-minute seizure from the house to the hospital. When we got to the hospital, she was out uh, with a little mask over her face to breathe. And then it got, what got really nerve-wracking was they took her to go get a CAT scan. So they take her to get a CAT scan as we're going. You know how it is in the hospital. It's chaos. So the few nurses are like pulling the 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 gurney or whatever, and, and I'm and I'm we're all above her, we're watching. We're going to get the CAT scan, and then suddenly I see her starting to shake again. And one of the nurses is like, "Hey guys, I think she's having a seizure." Hey guys, I think she's having a seizure. And like the other nurses are busy doing their own thing, and I'm like, uh, "Hello," you know, that's what I'm thinking. And the nurse who was saying, "I think she's having a seizure," like grabbed this breathing device, like well, as soon as you see like that like EMTs bring, and put like the mask over her face and started helping her breathe. Because what had happened was they'd given her, I think they'd given her an Ativan to, to calm her away from the seizures. So sometimes when you give someone Ativan, it takes away from their breathing as well. So she started helping her breathe again. So the baby like was breathing. But then in the meantime, they're like, they couldn't do the CAT scan. They're, they're running now into the ER again. And you're as a parent, you're freaking out. Why are we running, you know? So you run in there, and then the ER doctor came in, and, and he started talking to us. He goes, listen, she's having trouble breathing with the Ativan. We need to get this CAT scan to see what it is. So we may have to put a tube to help her breathe down through her throat. But thank God. We were talking about a one-year-old girl, right? Just one year and one week. So thank God she started breathing fine again, and they were able to do the CAT scan. And then they tried to do a spinal tap, which is where they take the little needle in the back. And the, oh, they kept wow. missing the support. And then she was, like, crying, and you had to, I had to hold her down. I mean, it was just, it was just something that I hope nobody has to go through. And if any parent's gone through anything like that or any illness at all, you know, I mean, you. F I mean, I. I. F my. My sympathies are with all parents. I mean, it's like you know, you see kids that have cancers and all this other stuff at a young age, and it just breaks your heart. You know, that's the worst. Yeah. Who yeah. was the, who was the calmer of the two? <sighs> I think. Or was it in different? And then, how know, long was this ordeal? Was this like? It was a night in the hospital. So basically, I stayed in the hospital with her. Um, that was exhausting because she, this poor girl. Imagine she. She's a little baby, right? So she's had all kinds of drugs going through her. She had a seizure. All this stuff makes you exhausted. She's not really, she's got, you know, um, she's got the IVs going in. First of all, IVs on a kid. Are you kidding me? There's a wire. So she's just sitting there trying to pull the IVs. There's a little red thing on her toe, which is like keeping her pulse. Every once in a while, the, the thing, you know, beeps, you know. So, and then, and so she basically, literally from midnight to 5 a.m., I tried every move I had ever had to try and make her go to sleep. Like I, I, I usually I, ha I put my arms over in a crib and I sing, wasn't working. I picked her up with wires and everything, wasn't working. I had him bring in a bed. I got in the bed with her for five hours, just continuous. And she, poor girl, was exhausted. Her eyes would go and she'd be back up. So and then even people would come in. I, I got to take this test. I got to take that test. She'd move her hand in one direction. So now the IV's not flowing right. So the thing would start beeping. I mean, it was just horrible. Twenty four hours in the hospital, and you know. Uh, we got through it. I mean, you know, thank God. And now we're just, now we're just worried whenever, like just recently she had a, the stomach flu and we were both worried that if she gets a temperature, she might have a seizure. So, you know, there's that to worry about. Um, but she's doing good right now? 
Oh, she's doing great, man. She's, and that's again, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's the toughest part is to see how alive they are and how joyful they are. Yeah. You know, and then see them in the up, 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 other place. Yeah. You know, like I saw my father towards the end of his life. You know, he was, you know, he was he'd gone through a lot of stuff, and I saw him like in the hospital having seizures, and that was really hard. But I could also justify in my own head. I was like, "That's an older man. He's your father." And I mean, that's hard as well. He's lived. But, but yeah, but when you see your kid, Ugh. you know, my uh, it wasn't sick, but just seeing your baby in the hospital, and it's not the day you're leaving when they were born, is horrible. Yeah, uh, little Chris was playing in the kitchen, and he ran into the corner of a wall. Bam, gash over his Ugh. his right eye, left eye, opened up blood everywhere. So then we had to go get stitches. And my wife is like, we're going to call a plastic surgeon. And I'm like, I don't know what you mean. What are you talking about? I think plastic surgeon. I'm thinking fake nose, right, right, fake right. boobs. <laughs> but I guess to make sure that the surgery is done perfectly, you want a plastic surgeon to operate on your your, your, your kid. So we get there, and um, they're giving him the uh, the anesthesia. Yeah. And it's not taking. Oh, and it's God. stinging him. Like he can feel it stinging. This is over his eye. And he's screaming like mm. I've never. And when I say to hear your kid scream is the most shrieking, horrifying feeling. So it's, it's, it's going through my body. He's like, ah! Oh, yeah. And I'm I'm cussing out doctors like, what the F is going on? Yeah. Da, 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 da. So they finally gave him the right anesthesia, the right dose. Oh, they were putting it in the wrong spot. Something weird. Yeah, it's crazy, right? And they finally did it. He calmed it down. And then, you know, and then to see. And then. So they gave him a local, so that means he's awake. So I'm watching him get his eyes sewn, and he's sitting there wide awake, catatonic, and it's it's it's, it's not comfortable. It's not, it not fun, and it's, it's like fun. you were saying, like when when they were doing the sp the spinal tap thing, this poor baby, we I had to get involved in holding her down. She's trying to like they they hold her down like an L, you know, like what legs one direction back, and then they go to your lower back and they try and put a needle in there to reach your spine because they want to make sure you don't have meningitis. And they did like six times. This poor kid is just losing her mind. We're holding her down. You got to just remind yourself it's for her good, for her good, for her good. And then finally they were like, oh, we're having trouble getting it. And they go, well, you know, we've been treating it anyway. Because that's the thing with meningitis. They treat it right away. When you get in there, if you have, if you have seizures for kids, right away they give it, to, they, they treat you for meningitis because the doctor, the, other, the, the ER doctor was telling me, he goes, if we wait for the results to come in, we're losing time. So they give, and so the lady after all this was like, "Well, we're trading for it anyway." I'm like, "Well, if you're trading for it anyway, then what the hell are you doing this? Why are you stabbing my baby?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's not funny and it's not fun, and may it not happen to any of you guys, uh, you know. But if you want to share your stories, share it with us, man. Hit us yeah. at uh, minivanmen at gmail .com and tell us uh, tell us your war stories. Hey, we're comedians, but everything isn't always funny. That's right. Sometimes we're clowning, and sometimes we're frowning. Mm-hmm. My name is Chris Spencer. That's Maz Jabrani, and you know Al Madrigal, who's out there working. Let's just say goodnight. Good night. All right, folks, thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch or find out more, you can go to minivanmen.com or contact us through our websites. There's thechrisspencer.com, mazjobrani.com, and almadrigal.com. We hope to hear from you. Thanks. Thanks.